Welcome to Frictionless Marketing, an exploration of how modern marketers are building their brands, reaching their audiences, and thriving in this post-advertising world. Jonathan Adeshek is the Chief Communications Officer and Senior Vice President of Marketing and Communications at IBM. Before joining IBM, Jonathan was at Renault Nissan Mitsubishi Alliance in Paris, as well as Nissan Motor Company in Yokohama, Japan. Prior to that, he had stints at Microsoft and Edelman. One of Jonathan's first roles was as a special assistant at the White House, before becoming Director of National Delegate Strategy for the John Kerry Presidential Campaign. At IBM, Jonathan leads a team of over 800 professionals in over 170 countries with responsibility for IBM's global communications, corporate citizenship, CSR, as well as strategic events and social media. Without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with IBM CCO and SVP of Marketing and Communications, Jonathan Adeshek. Jonathan, thank you very much for joining us here today. Thanks for having me. Great to be with you. So um, I thought we would start by actually um, kind of digging into something you said not that long ago in a, in a Marketing Week article that begins with your statement, we're a very different IBM than we were a year ago. And this is, of course, a big statement, but I mean, I, it's hard to imagine it being bigger than IBM with 345,000 employees, 100 and was it 140 year history. And, and in the last year, a lot of change. So, you know, I'd love to just dig into that, um, you know, understand, you know, what you mean by that change. And then also maybe what that change process was like. Yeah, you know, it has been a big a, a big uh, change here at IBM um, recently. I joined, and shortly after I joined, uh, we named Arvind Krishna as the, the CEO. Um, and when Arvind became CEO in April of 2020, it was very clear that he was going to take a different approach um, than we had had in the past. Um, in the sense of getting us much more focused as a company and where we were going, what we were doing, focused on being the leading hybrid cloud and the leading AI company uh, around. Um, and to do that, it was also saying, what don't we do need to do to make that possible? So last year, we completed um, the spinoff of, of the business that's now known as Kindrel. Um, you know, Kindrel's the managed, managed infrastructure services piece of our, uh, was the managed infrastructure services piece of our business. Um, 90,000 people, uh, $19 billion roughly, I think those were the numbers around spin. So you take that right there and that that's a big change in the company. And it's really allowed us that and some other transactional pieces, some other, uh, you know, other um, divestures or acquisitions. It's allowed us to have a more streamlined approach um, with a really strong foundation and all towards driving sustainable revenue growth and and profit. Um, and it's allowed the marketing organization and the comms team to uh, drive more activities to really reflect that new nature of what we're doing and to be more tightly aligned with our business than we've ever been before. So that's what I meant when I said it was a different company than it was um, even a year ago. Well, that's a great example. I mean, spinning off a 90,000 person 
um, business unit that's large that's larger than the vast majority of companies in the you know in the world. So it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, in a similar fashion, you described your efforts in the communications function as as also simplifying, focusing, right? Saying that there were too many campaigns talking about too many different things. So how do you make those choices when it comes time to simplify and focus? Obviously, you've got your guiding light of, um, you know, AI and, and hybrid cloud. But beyond that, I'm sure there were a lot of great campaigns and a lot of things people had heart for. So how do you make those choices? Yeah, you know, we at the beginning of this year, we launched their new campaign called Let's Create. Um, it was a it's, it's a focus on what we're trying to do. And it's a recognition that um, and it, more than recognition, it's an invitation for our clients and our partners to co-create with us, um, with IBM, to co-create on hybrid cloud, to co-create around AI, to co-create using our consulting offerings around security, around sustainability, those sorts of things. Um, to really, we, we as a company have a, a strong commitment to drive um, increased innovation and development and development of the technologies on behalf of our partners and our clients to um, take advantage of the opportunities and the challenges they have. But all of it has to be done with creativity as the defining currency. Um, this change, it's the first campaign in IBM's history to fully integrate the content, the awareness, the consideration, and the demand, and together create solutions that, that are data-driven. Um, we've really tried to focus it around automation, modernize, secure, transformation, those levers that really are what we're seeing our clients um, and our partners drive their businesses around today. Um, and I would say it's arguably the most significant brand initiative we've had in more than a decade. And it, at the bottom, at the end of the day, everything we do in marketing or in communications, it's got to align to the business. And as we're, as anything we do just has to align. And if it doesn't align, then we shouldn't be doing it. That's a simple, simple approach I take on it. Well, it's interesting that, you know, you you just made a a passing remark that um, for some of our listeners is not um, is maybe not as simple, right? Is is you sort of conflated marketing and communications in a way, and, and your title obviously has both marketing and communications in it. And IBM for years has been known as having a very integrated marketing communications function. So, can we talk a little bit about that? Is it is that still the case today? Is it as integrated as it feels, or has been made to feel from the outside? I would say. It was integrated. It became two separate organizations, and we're coming back closer together now. Um, but it is very clear to me from the role that I'm sitting in, there are a lot of complementary activities, um, there are complementary sets of data, actions, partnerships that both marketing and communications are driving, all in support of the business. Um, and to me, it's, you gotta be grounded in your business, whether it was here or when I had a really, really large retailer, some might say the largest retailer in the world as a client early on in my career, if we could help them sell one more light bulb or open one more store or sell one more X or get somebody hired, 
you can go and be creative and go do interesting things. And the ability to pair the work that marketing does and comms does together to go be creative and do those interesting things, it, it's exponentially more powerful in my mind. It sounds like your your new tagline, let's create, obviously has an internal um, application to it as well there. Oh, without a doubt. And I, you know, I have a fundamentally, I have a fundamental view that if you, if you don't start with your internal employees, in my case, you know, we have more than 275,000 IBMers around the world, my peers, my colleagues. Um, if we don't start with them and understanding them, understanding what we're trying to do as a business, where we're trying to go, they understand the, the, the role they play in our marketing efforts, in our communications efforts, in our daily business efforts. Um, we're failing from the beginning there. So we spend a lot of time on that. Um, but the IBMer is also who's going to be the one to go go co-create with our clients and with our partners. They're essential to the success of um, not just the campaign, but of our company. And you mentioned, obviously, the full sort of um, you know employee base, but within the communications function, Am I right that you have more than 800 people or something in the neighborhood of 800 people in 170 countries in the communications function? Yeah, we've shrunk a bit. We've shrunk a bit. It's, so we'll leave it at hundreds. Hundreds, yes. Hundreds. In just about every in just about every recognized country in the world, right? <laughs> we, we, we've got a we've got a nice a nice big footprint um, to make sure we're really helping our clients um, and our partners um be successful and that's what we're, we're what we're trying to do here um and i say a nice big footprint i should say you know we're much more focused than we used to be in where we execute and how we execute and where we're where we're putting our efforts mm -hmm. and you know for you being you know at the you know the the head of that um large organization you know what has that been like in terms of um driving a global purview Right. And um, trying to make sure that there's consistency and, you know, et cetera, throughout all of these different um, parts of the world. And just a lot of the people listening you know, work at either U.S. centric companies or single country companies. Um, so what has that been like for you? You know, for me, I've tried to take a campaign approach to both communications and to marketing. Um, and I take it from my days in politics, um, not like a, I, I brought it up, I used the word campaign when I was just starting on the marketing team in the marketing role. Um, and people were like, well, no, 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 that's not a campaign. That's not a traditional marketing campaign. And I said, no, I'm thinking about a different league. I'm thinking political campaign. And as I look at the work I'm doing and the team's doing around the world, if we look at it through a, a, a political lens, a political campaign lens, um, you know, it's candidate IBM and how candidate IBM is going to resonate in Singapore is going to be different than it is in South Florida or Spain. Right. But if we can get a foundational core as to what we're doing and then you enable your local markets to add the flavor that's needed to make it relevant, I think that's the best way to do it. I think it, the, the, I, it's easy for me to sit in 
Armand, New York, and say, this is what we must do. But I don't see the clients, the partners, the reporters, the analysts in Singapore at dinner, at movies, out on the weekends, wherever it might be, right? I have to trust that my teams, um, the they're not my teams, they're IBM's teams, but they're my peers, that my peers, my colleagues are out there and they know what's best for our business and that we're fully aligned to that effort. That's That's got to be fundamental. And then the other piece that by taking that approach, I have found that it's helped us avoid duplication of efforts because the worst thing you could have happen is you recreate the world the wheel in different markets around the world well then you're wasting your time you're wasting your money you're wasting resources from doing what you know you you're there to do when if you could just start from a, a place of movement at the beginning instead of a dead stop if that makes sense yeah, it does. And it's interesting. One of the things that people, of course, often talk about when it comes to getting that sort of collective, you know, hive mentality, that cohesion um, is culture, right? And when you were um, being recognized by PR Week and their global awards, one of the parts of your profile is they called you a true culture builder. I don't know if you've read that about yourself, but it's out there about you that you are a true culture builder. Um you came into IBM in 2020, right? Yep. One of the most tumultuous times in history. Um, and so how do you go about building culture in a company so vast and at a time so tumultuous? And you know, what does it mean? Yeah, um, you know, I have to say, I, I read that about me and I was like, uh, I think they've got somebody somebody uh, else they're talking about. Either that or they, they got the check ahead of time before they wrote it. Um, uh, but, you know, for me, it's all about um, communications. It's all about being clear with people and being as transparent as you can. That's the approach uh, that I take. It's not about relying on others to do the communications for me. It's about me engaging with people. And it's about communications is really about how you lead in, in the way I look at this. Um, it's about committing time and energy to be authentic in your communications. It's, I believe, being as transparent as I can. Sometimes people like those answers. Some people, sometimes people don't like those answers. Treat people how we would want to be treated in the situation. Um, and that goes from if I were sitting on the other table, other side of the table, what kind of information would I want to learn? What would make me do my job better? How can I, you know, what those sorts of things, but it also goes into things around HR and expectations and all that kind of stuff. So that is the fundamental of where I am. Um, it's about, you know, making sure I've got a culture which is built on purpose. It's built on values and it's built on behaviors. Um, I say to everybody on the team, I don't care if you're an intern or it's up to the CEO. Call me, text me, send me an email. I'm slow on Slack. You can Slack me. It might take a little while to come back. But I'm. it's an open door, and I'm happy to talk to anybody about any topic that they have. And then the other thing I do is I, you know, I send Friday notes out. Um, and I send a note out to my entire team. And in those notes, it could be something about my wife and my kids and I going on vacation. 
and taking a weekend to recharge because I want to make sure people are taking care of themselves and I need to try and practice what I preach. I don't always do a great job at the whole vacation thing. Um, but it could also be about a business issue that's come up. It could be about um, something we're facing as an organization. It could be about skills. <clears throat> Excuse me. Recently, I wrote a note to everybody about my biggest failure in my professional career, which happened while I was here. I was in a meeting. I'd come back from a long business trip, and I was just wiped out. And I had the biggest failure I've ever had in my career. And I was really transparent with people and said, I didn't do well. This is what happened. Boom, boom, boom. Laid it out for people, but also said, I'm going to keep going. And this is what I'm trying to do. And then the next week I wrote another one. I wrote another mail that said the title of it was back on the horse because I had to get back into another meeting the following, you know, the following week, big meeting and present about it again. And it was not the same person who showed up in the meeting the week before and just had an epic failure of a moment. So doing that kind of thing, making sure people understand it's okay to, to make a mistake, that it's okay to fail as long as you fail fast and you acknowledge it, you figure out what went wrong and how you fix it. I think all of those things are fundamental in making sure that you got the culture that you want and you need in your organization. Well, it's a great example. I mean, the, the Friday notes sound like they could be therapeutic both for your team, but also for you. And um, <laughs> I, on, on the one about the about the problem, my epic failure, I got so many notes back and people were like, God, that was such a I'm sure it was a hard note for you to write. And I actually wrote back and replied to almost all of them and said, actually, it was really a cathartic note for me to write. So so what would you say to somebody else who's in the same situation? They've had their biggest career failure. It's the night that they just had a giant career failure, you know, like. Is there any advice for for how they should see the situation, forget the situation, move forward from the situation? First thing, take a deep breath. Take a real big deep breath and just like get an assessment of, of what 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 went wrong. And for me, I called it was a meeting with my CEO and my others. I called the CEO after the meeting. <clears throat> And talk to him about what what went wrong and acknowledged it right away. Um, but getting additional context from him was helpful for me as I was thinking about. I had my own set of things of understanding why it went wrong, but talking to him and getting a, a deeper understanding of what his view of of where the where the failure was allowed me to adjust what was happening. So you've got to have somebody who you can always talk to. You everybody is a friend or a colleague. Or, listening, you know, somebody, a sounding board um, and engage there and figure out, okay, I this is my view of what happened. You know, what do you think? And then take a second and go, okay, how do I make sure that doesn't happen again? How do I take the best steps to guarantee that it doesn't happen? It might, but it might be a smaller, smaller situation that happens like that. If it keeps happening, then I think there's a larger question to ask in your mind about, Am I in the right role? Am I overstretched? Am I, you know, any number of things there. Mm. But for me, it's about taking that step back, looking what happened, look how you got to that place, and then going, okay, I'm going forward. I'm not going to let it stop me. Stay positive. So um, 
let's intersect a couple of these 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 thoughts here. You know, you had the thought about um, transparency and authenticity. You had the thought about treating IBM like a candidate on campaign. Um, when you think about sustainability, the ESG and, and the role of communications in sustainability, we've heard you refer to the importance of IBM being client zero, right? So your customers and partners can see the application. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Like, what does it mean for you to be client zero? And, you know, what's the role of communications really in ensuring that that is true? You know, client, client zero is essential to me. It's it's client zero. It's eating what you cook. It's eat your own dog food. It's any number of these phrases that, depending on your company, we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, and... Um, how you move forward with it. Um, but I think that you've got to practice what you preach. It's that simple. Client Zero says that we're going to be using the things that you guys are bringing, that we're bringing to people, and we use them because we believe so strongly in them. It's like me saying to you, I don't know, go run a marathon, and here's the best way to go run it. Would you want to know that I've gone and run a marathon once or twice and used that same approach, right? It, you know, you you go to people who are experts because they know what they're doing. To me, that's a foundational of, of being client zero. So one thing that, um, you know, one thing, we're at the agency, we're really, you know, Lippy Taylor, we're really big fans of earned creative, you know, as a, as a way of thinking. You spent a lot of time at Edelman. You know, obviously, Edelman has, has popularized that concept. Um, if you think about kind of where the direction things are going, this idea of earned creative, um, and people right now trying to map their own careers, like where this is all going, do you see that as, is this a moment in time? Is it a sea shift? Is it where we're all going? Or is it where we've been and maybe we haven't thought about what's next? How do you... How do you read the tea leaves? You know, this is something I think about. Um, and I think about it a lot. <clears throat> I think there's some room for earned creative. I, I, I really do. Um, but I don't think that stunts and programs have to be the way that you break through. Right. Uh, for, for us in a B2B space, it's... Um, you know, it's it's building on the trust. It's building on the tr the 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 principles of our 111 year old brand um, and the relationships that we have. That's how we try and break through versus um, versus using too much of the earned creative. But I think there is definitely a place um, for it. Um, and for us, if we're going to do that kind of thing, we're gonna make sure people understand. Um, what IBM does through our clients. Um, you know, there's a good example, I think, is the U.S. Open is uh, going to be coming in um, in uh, at the end of August, right? We're, we're longtime partners with the U.S. Open. Um, and we work with the USTA, USTA excuse me, on um, innovating their uh, digital platform. Um, and how do they use data and AI to really get more out of the matches and the games. Um, we're helping them digest 7.2 million points of data. 
um, and create, use that to then create a new fan experience and more insights um, from, from the tournament. Um, and it allows the Open to bring to life millions of fans uh, around the world a different experience than just watching it on TV or reading about it online. Um, and really for us, it's the same technology that we're using and we're deploying in other places around the world. So if we're going to get earned creative, we want it to be rooted in what we do and the experiences that there are. That makes sense. It does. And it relates to the larger concept we refer to as earned marketing, which means that to your point, it's not always about stunts and promotions. Sometimes it's about just doing things that are worth talking about, yep. you know, and that's a great example of it. So, um, so what, final question here, yep. uh, you know, recognizing we're at time, but is, um, you know, you think about people who are maybe midway in their career, right? They, they're aspiring to someday see themselves in a similar place that you, you see yourself, um, you know, what advice would you give them, um, you know, in terms of how they're mapping their careers? You know, I think first and foremost, getting as, as focused and specific on what you want to do with your career is, is crucial. You can't just say, I want to be a marketer or a communicator or a lawyer, right? Or a doctor. You got to figure out what do you want to do? Where, where do you want to specialize? How do you want to bring that to life? Your career is going to evolve over time. Right. Did I ever think I'd be leading marketing at IBM? Never. Never. Even the day before I got the job, I did not think I'd be leading marketing at IBM. <laughs> um, but being focused on what you want to do and where you want to go and how you can take advantages of, of other opportunities to get to that place, how you can build on those opportunities that you have. It's a perfect example for me in, in marketing. I'm building on what I've done and I'm, I love this company. I love this brand. I love the things that we're doing. Getting involved in the marketing side of it is allowing me to just build my flex new muscles, build new muscles and really engage in the, with the company in a different way, which is what I really wanted to do. And then I think the last thing I'd say is as you look at your career, everybody gets to a point that where they're like, God, I hate this job, <laughs> you know, right? Everybody gets there at some point, not all the time, but everybody has that, that moment. I can't tell you how many people call me and say, I need to get away from this job as fast as I can. I need something new. Do you, are you hiring at IBM or are you hiring wherever you might be, right? Run to something, not from something. That has to be the fundamental of what you do. If you do that, you should be okay. I think that's great advice. Um, Jonathan, thank you very much. We appreciate your time and, and sharing your insights. Uh, I think people are really going to enjoy hearing this. Thank you for having me. Uh, I really enjoyed the conversation and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm honored you'd ask me to join. All right. 
Here are some key takeaways from this conversation with Jonathan Adeshek. Number one, simplify your message. As a company, IBM has thousands of products, services, and solutions. And prior to Jonathan coming on board, there was an overwhelming amount of different and disparate marketing and communications campaigns for all of these different products. This caused confusion among the general public over what IBM really stood for as a brand. One of Jonathan's first orders of business was to significantly simplify IBM's message into one slogan, let's create. A brand can only get so much attention, which is why it's important not to diffuse your brand's marketing messages across a number of separate campaigns that have nothing to do with each other. Furthermore, emotional statements like let's create can transcend product features and benefits and get to the heart of your company's real mission, which is way more effective than focusing on the products. Number two, admit failure early and honestly. Jonathan mentioned committing an epic failure at IBM relatively recently. Instead of blaming someone else, shirking behind it, or attempting some sort of internal cover-up, he sent out an all-employee message outlining exactly what happened while owning up to it. He claimed the experience was more cathartic than scary and set a standard for radical honesty at the company, which was unprecedented. Embracing humanity on an executive level with this kind of honesty is the foundation for creating extremely positive and effective company cultures. Number three, be client zero. Practice what you preach. All products and tech solutions conceived of and created by IBM must be used internally as a standard for their creation. Jonathan states that clients and customers will not stand by any other standard. By being client zero, IBM is able to only create products and solutions that they personally stand by through personal experience and a lot of trial and error. This ensures a level of trust with customers that simply cannot be bought. Anyway, guys, thank you as always for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, why not share it with your friends and colleagues on LinkedIn? Don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Lippy Taylor. That's L-I-P-P-E-T-A-Y-L-O-R. And to learn more about us, visit us at LippyTaylor.com. Thank you for listening to Frictionless Marketing. If you enjoyed this episode, you might want to check out Paul's best-selling book, Friction Fatigue, What the Failure of Advertising Means for Future-Focused Brands. In Friction Fatigue, Paul explains to readers why advertising is broken and provides a frictionless marketing framework to help build your brand in an era where advertising is no longer the answer. You'll learn how to protect your business against competitors and lead the pack with fresh marketing strategies that will help you prepare for a future where the consumer rules. Friction Fatigue is now available on Amazon and as a book on tape on audible.com. Thanks again for listening.